1: He did. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime and Road of His Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co host is Sean Siegel. Sean, we are rolling here through the podcast content this week. We had our draft special episodes with Anthony Mico, which will be coming up throughout the rest of the week. If you are listening to this on the Road of His main feed and you aren't subscribed yet to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed, do subscribe over there the shows usually go up a little bit earlier up there and sometimes on the weeks where we have the bonus content like the draft series those shows could potentially be up three or four days earlier just with the uh, the way we have our scheduling on the main feed so don't be afraid to go over there give us a subscribe and uh, make sure you get all the Rotoviz Overtime podcast content as soon as it comes out We are going to have a fun show today. We're going to be talking a lot about wide receivers, a couple of interesting articles coming up about some older uh, wide receivers, I guess we'll say, the veteran wide receivers in that fifth year to see if we have a breakout. And then we're also going to look at three young wide receivers ready to supercharge your drafts this year. John, we are now on our Thursday OT podcast. I thought it would be a perfect time to uh, give a little plug to uh, Stealing Bananas for this week because the, the Wednesday show was absolutely they were all fantastic shows with the Wednesday show with uh, Rich Rebar was, was phenomenal.
2: Yeah, it's always great to have Rich on there. I was very excited to have a chance to kind of grill the two analysts, I believe, are the most respected, the most dynamic, the most, well, the hardest working in terms of giving you the full player breakdown, team breakdown for every team, every week, talking about Ben Gretsch with his phenomenal newsletter, Stealing Signals, talking about Rich Rebar with his legendary article, The Worksheet, to be able to go over some player information with those guys and to talk with Rich about this idea of breakouts and collapses. What is the 2022 first round, second round going to look like? Which players are going to fall out? Just a fascinating discussion, Rich, as you would imagine, brought tons of great detail to it, helped explain from even some of his great work back at RotoViz in the old days, this element of improvement, this element of not just decline, but absolute collapse. And then what we need to do with that to make sure our teams are built the right way. And then we have exposure to upside, but that exposure at a price that allows player to still outperform as opposed to uh, buying these guys in round one, round two, where you're drafting them above their absolute ceiling. So Rich was fantastic. The show theme for this week was a lot of fun. If you missed our second episode, we uh we've been doing some great gretch Me If You Can segments where Ben will make a bold prediction or we'll break down the data behind something that maybe looks like a bold prediction is actually something that's going to happen. And then this week we had a there's always money section where I predicted someone who's currently going in round three is going to be the number four overall player selected in 2022. So you'll want to stick around for that. Uh, That'll also be up on the Rotoviz website in the near future. So if you're considering subscribing, you want to know how you can get Austin Eckler's production, but without paying nearly that price, uh, look for it on the website there. But Colin, we're going to jump in here and discuss a couple of older wide receivers, but wide receivers were kind of in a a weird part of their careers guys who could either disappear or finally become the superstars that people always thought they were going to be when they were drafted in the top 10 picks four years ago yeah
1: and it's always uh this is one of the things i enjoy every year to see where those breakouts are going to come we we talk about you know obviously the second year jump for for these wide receivers and how things can break out there but it's not always in that first year, second year, third year where they, they really start to break out. Um, some of the players who would have broke out later would have been the likes of Emmanuel Sanders or Doug Baldwin. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who uh, we talk about on today's show. But, Sean, I just uh, want to go into the backstory. I know we've done this a few times on the, the podcast, but what is it exactly are you looking at to get that breakdown to see what the breakouts and these kind of... Uh, age groups is going to be. Yeah.
2: So, the last three, four, or five seasons, I've gone through and broken down the potential wide receiver breakouts by year, right? Because we know we have a very different dynamic. We know we need something different from a rookie than we need as a fifth year player. We know that year two is going to be different than year four. Wide receiver breakouts has been a focus of RotoViz from the very beginning when the fantasy and I were really trying to figure out, you know, what we needed to focus on in 2013 in that first year, how you make these asymmetrical bets to allow readers, to allow listeners to load their team up with players who, you know, if you miss, you probably still get a good season, but if you're right, then you win your entire league, perhaps you win hundreds of thousands of dollars, breakout wide receivers are the clear guys. And you know, going back to that 2013 season, you know, we were on Alshon Jeffrey when it looked like he might be, well, the guy that he is now, or the guy that he's been the last couple of years, that he might be that throughout his whole career. But no, I mean, he had a peak in there where he was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL that wasn't priced into ADP when he was a second year player. You look at Josh Gordon, someone who had a very short peak, unfortunately, due to things outside of football, but for that one season was one of, if not the best wide receiver in football, again, something not priced into ADP. You come back in 2014, and you have a similar kind of dynamic where DeAndre Hopkins is coming off of an 800-yard rookie season, and yet I looked it up just the other day because it seems impossible to believe, right? But his MFL ADP from 2014, even when you strip out a lot of the guys who you know got hurt, you, know, you look at ADP from like August 15th on to where it should be a pretty tight market He was going as the 101st player off the board, which, you know, that's mind-boggling now. Obviously, people know not to play it that way, but he was somebody that we were really pounding the table for in 2014. This idea of understanding breakouts has been a key part of what we do, but we also want to continue to move forward and make sure that we're giving people as much nuance as possible so they can attack breakouts in different areas of their draft. I started with the fifth-year wide receivers because these tend to be the ones who are not quite as trendy, not quite as exciting, don't have that pizzazz. And one of the reasons that they don't have those things is the fifth-year breakout wide receivers tend to be no names, right? They tend to be guys who were drafted late or not at all. So just to kind of go through the specifics there, Devontae Parker breaks out as a fifth-year player in 2019. He was the first former first-round pick to break out in year five this century, right? Only one of the other guys is drafted in the first 50 picks. Eight of the 15 were selected after pick 100 or not at all. You can also go through and look at some of Blair Andrews' cool research on wide receiver breakout rates, age trajectories, collapse rates. And you see this dynamic again, whether or not you're looking at breaking out to a wide receiver three level or breaking out to a wide receiver two level, which is what I do in my research that the year five guys Number one, there's a spike in that season for the very late round and undrafted players, and it's a big spike, right? And so we're talking about guys like a Joe Horn, guys like a Derek Mason, guys like a Julian Edelman, guys like Emmanuel Sanders, who at 82, that's still earlier than a lot of these players, but you know certainly not a first or second round pick. Doug Baldwin undrafted, Adam Thielen, undrafted. Richard Matthews unfortunately only had that one really good season but drafted at the very very end of the draft so what we're kind of looking for here is you know who can be the next Edelman the next Sanders the next Baldwin the next Thielen and the answer really seems to be well it should be players who come out of this group that's changing teams one of the things that we see here is nine of the 15 breakouts had just relocated to a new franchise and probably a guy who has fought and clawed and just like dragged his body over hot coals to stay in the nfl and prove that he should get a chance i haven't covered those guys yet right we have some players who are a little bit interesting in that range in Akeelan cole who is supposedly ahead of some of the trendier jets names in new york's camp you have kendrick Bourne, who was given a sort of a bizarre contract from the new england patriots i'm gonna look at those guys in part two but we started out by looking at two guys who are hoping they can be the next Devontae Parker. They can be the guys who are former first-round picks and finally get the job done. And, Colin, we're talking about Corey Davis and Mike Williams.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Richard Matthews there. That brought me, it was like a blast from the past, uh, that preseason and the hype around Matthews heading into that uh, season was was quite something. And it just, you know, it hit, and then it fizzled out very quickly. Um, but it's, these are players who... We like I remember Corey Davis when he was coming into the NFL, thought process around him, how good he looked, and it, it just didn't work out. You know, he kind of started with some injuries, and that kind of lingered his way through. The Titans in his early career weren't very good, and obviously now he's in a situation where um, he he's going to have that opportunity. Mike Williams though is the one that I think is very interesting. The other thing you touched on is you know the adp that we would have seen back with deandre hopkins i think and we've touched on this on a number of podcasts and i know you've mentioned this with ben like there's more information out there but drafters have become much more savvy and much sharper to this sort of thing like i think now at this point like if deandre hopkins if we went back in time to 2014 and was being redrafted now i would expect him to probably be going in the the fifth or sixth round. That's kind of we're seeing those guys getting pushed up because people are starting to take this information into consideration. The player I'm interested to talk about first, though, Sean, is Mike Day, or Mike Williams, sorry, because he is somebody who, over the years, we have been interested in. It hasn't really all clicked into gear for him. Has a new quarterback now. Um, you know, wh- what are we looking at with Mike Williams as we get as we get ready for that fifth year bracket?
2: So a couple of things that I wanted to do to see where these players were is to pull up the road of a screener, use the similarity search function, and find out who their closest comps were. And with Williams, it's an interesting group. We have Jordy Nelson, Michael Floyd, Robert Meacham, Devontae Parker, David Terrell, Darius hayward Bay. The two who go on to actually have an impact from this point forward are Jordy Nelson and... Then Devontae Parker in the one year, we'll see if Parker has anything except for that one season. We look through these guys. Most of the comps for both players are guys who are sort of on their very last legs in the NFL or are looking for a bounce back. And with Davis, we see guys like Ashley Lee, Corin Robinson, players who did have a, a breakout season, were up at that level that you want, and then were collapsing at this point. They're hoping to get a second win They did not do that. Now, when you look at Mike Williams, obviously the big difference between him and Jordy Nelson, Jordy Nelson did almost nothing through three seasons. People thought that he was a bust pick. He scores 284 points in year four. And so if we look at a four year stretch, very comparable. If we look at what they did in year four, not comparable at all. Jordy Nelson, a superstar, Mike Williams actually floundering a bit after his 2018 and 2019 seasons gave us a lot of room for hope. So we're trying to figure out if Mike Williams can be a little bit like Jordy Nelson. We pull up the range of outcomes tool, and it gives us, you know, reason for some hope. It gives him an average projection of 10.3 points per game. That would put him in a range where he could outperform ADP. He's also in this situation, Colin, that I think that we are pretty excited about in that last season, Justin Herbert, everybody knows the story. He goes in there, you compare him to what, where they were at the previous season, adds four points per game, adds 0.15 points per drive. So it goes from 2.08 to 2.23. Uh, that's a number we still really actually want to increase this season in his second year. We've talked about Justin Herbert and how the range of outcomes tool actually loves him to become a superstar. Of kind of the weird thing that happened last year with Williams is he was not one of the guys who benefited right his numbers declined he failed to match either the 1000 yard season from 2019 or his 10 td season and health played a big part of that if you look at 2019 played 85% of the snaps that dropped to just 71% last year he missed a game he played on 60% or fewer of the snap four other times And Colin, when he was playing, there were a number of times when he was a decoy. And so obviously you're in there as a decoy. Your target volume is going to be very low. I think that that gives us a little bit of an opening to go after Williams this season. Now, we've seen his ADP really not skyrocket, but continue to climb over the last month. A lot of drafters are in on Williams at this possible opportunity and one of the things is the new offensive coordinator joe lombardi has said okay he's going to play the x the x has always gotten a lot of volume in this offense i think there's going to be some natural production that comes that way because of the nature of the offense i see a big role for him if i were a betting man i would bet on nice numbers coming from him on the stat sheet come what's your sense of how much we can buy the offensive coordinator here joe lombardi in his previous trip outside of the friendly compines of new Orleans and Sean Payton really struggled as the coordinator for the Detroit lions. He had a good quarterback at that point with Matthew Stafford, or at least that's what ADP for the Rams players this season would suggest that the general community thinks now he's going to have Justin Herbert. The chargers are interesting. And I had a really interesting conversation with Devin McIntyre of the Solis report about this. But you have some names behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams that are interesting as vertical players, but they don't really have a third target hog. And they actually don't even have a second target hog, right? Because Mike Williams has never been that. They have Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Where does the rest of the volume go in this offense? Is it going to go to Mike Williams?
1: Mike Williams is a shot. My feeling is that we may see a situation where him, and and I always struggle with this name, but Jalen Guyton, um, I, I always think that, I think they're going to share a lot of that. A lot of the stuff that was in that quote, I could see somebody saying the exact same thing about uh, Guyton as well in terms of like, you know, sounded very much like there's going to be some deep targets in this offense, so there's going to be some opportunity for somebody to get them. That might be Mike, Mike Williams. That's kind of what that quote that you read off kind of felt like to me. Um, the other thing I think is going to be in this offense, and I know he's past his prime, but uh, Jared Cook's going to be involved. So I would expect us to see it go Alan Eckler, and then, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Cook was the, the third leader in targets. But I think there's a real possibility that we see the two of those wide receivers kind of siphon off each other's upside Um, that they end up being the same now if one of those guys is uh, not available I think the other one is in a a really good spot but do you see a situation where he can clearly be that number two in this offense or do you think we're in a situation where we'll see those pieces kind of all get some targets but nobody really step up to the, the front
2: well Lombardi is talking about them playing him against type at least to an extent, playing a, a role that Michael Thomas has played, who has, uh, again, really gotten a lot of volume in the offense, as Lombardi mentions. We'll see if he can do that. You know, even when you go back to Clemson, Williams was a guy who scored touchdowns, put up yardage, but and in part this is just because Clemson is also annihilating a large percentage of their opponents but he wasn't a guy that Clemson ever acted like they thought they had to have him on the field for every play that they had to funnel targets in his direction. And so we've seen that at the NFL level too, where the chargers have never acted like he was the level of talent that they had to force the ball to him. And his target shares throughout his career are extremely low. And so we look at a guy, we're thinking, okay, his vertical ability, his sort of air yards profile, his touchdown scoring ability. I mean, Mike Williams is a massive threat in the red zone all you have to do is have even just you know what you might consider low-end wide receiver three volume that that would present a high-end wide receiver two finish and so i think with so many things kind of stacked in his favor that you know we could get this scenario where he is like wide receiver 15 wide receiver 16 but you know he's got to go out there and stay healthy he's got to go out there and show that he can get open wants the ball but and that the quarterback will feel comfortable throwing him the ball he's got to get that volume it's, it's just so hard to live on averaging you know 17 18 yards per reception you know scoring 10 11 touchdowns if you play with Aaron Rodgers maybe you can do that as the second or third guy with the Packers maybe Justin Herbert is that good that you'll be able to do that with the Chargers this season so I think that's where the enthusiasm comes from I'm betting on Williams we drafted Williams in some of our drafts recently but Again, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, unless he does take this step forward, then if you're in a managed league, as opposed to best ball, you're going to have to make some pretty difficult decisions. Contrast that with Corey Davis, who had a career best season in 2023, earned a 23% target share, actually bested AJ Brown in yards per target. He was 13 overall among all wide receivers in fantasy points over expectation he gets signed to a $37 million contract with the Jets where he'll compete with Elijah Moore to be the number one. Now they have different roles on the offense, so they're not competing directly with each other for targets. But you know, who comes out as the highest scoring receiver, I think, is very much up in the air. Colin, how are we looking at Davis, who when he was the guy for the Titans, he looked very overmatched, you know, almost panicky in some situations was not someone who was making a lot of plays on the ball in the end zone, not someone who was going up and making a lot of plays on the ball in the air, not someone who was even getting open to where he could be a high target guy. We've seen him play off of A.J. Brown and be much more effective in that role. He gets this big contract with the Jets. Can he be a true number one for them? And when I say true number one, can he be someone who still thrives when the defense is looking his direction?
1: I think that's the issue he's probably going to not, and that's not the only issue. I'm going to go through a second issue here in a second, but I think he really struggled to make the transition from college to the NFL. And at the time I thought he was going to make that transition pretty, pretty easily. Um, but he, he has struggled to make that transition to, to go against the uh, NFL defenses and NFL cornerbacks. I think another big challenge for him is going to be, when we look at the Jets depth chart. There's just so many wide receivers on it. So we mentioned there, um, the chargers not as much competition but if we look at the Jets so we have Corey Davis we have Jameson Crowder we have Keelan Cole we have Denzel Mims and we have Elijah Moore so there's five guys there and like there's <laughs> I think Moore is probably the guy that you'd want to be owning most going into the season and he's he's the rookie obviously Mims going in um, have not shown a lot so far but still Um, a a good bit of draft capital invested in him. So I just think the five wide receivers they have is just going to make it very hard for that to spread around. And then the rookie quarterback also, which lucky may going to be Justin Herbert from twenty twenty, but the likelihood is that there'll be teeth and pains to go along with that as well. So my biggest concern for Davis is where he ends up on that depth chart shuffle. Um, and my concern is that he's not going to be at the top of it.
2: I think that's right, and so. My suggestion into how to play this also looked at how he performs in the range of outcomes. He's got a lot of good matches. He's got some guys like a Robbie Anderson, a Doug Baldwin, Emmanuel Sanders players who it's actually their fourth season that matched with his fourth season. And then exactly like we're talking about, they blew up in year five. I like to see that. I think that he's a good best ball edition late he allows you to employ employ some of those winning tactics that we've discussed from the wrong read Blair's study that shows you actually want some of those veteran wide receivers in this area of the draft Uh, when you go for the really young guys in this area you can end up with the really low scores that just take your team out of contention to win that best ball league I like him there In managed drafts, you might want a little bit more upside from this area of your bench. You know, he's sort of a bench player to start with if you're drafting properly, if you have enough wide receiver firepower at this point. Maybe if you're bench stash guys, you want the upside of one of those rookies instead. So those would be a little bit of the differences in terms of how to play it here. One of the interesting things, the range of outcomes does like Davis a little bit more than Williams, and Davis is quite a bit less expensive. And so if you want to play a little bit of an arbitrage situation here, with some guys who have a lot of similarities outside of situation where Davis is going to be playing with a rookie. Mike Williams is going to be playing with one of the biggest young stars in the NFL. Now there are a lot of people who think Zach Wilson has some Justin Herbert to him. So if he's able to do some of those same things for the jets, then suddenly Davis becomes, I think a much more intriguing player. So something you really want to focus in training camp How does Wilson look? How does he look in those preseason games? If you're drafting uh, some of these awesome FFPC leagues at the end of August, even early September, if Wilson is starting to look like a big time talent, like the guy who would go ahead of Trey Lance in the reality draft, would go ahead of Justin Fields in the reality draft, then you might want to start taking Corey Davis a little bit more seriously.
1: And we talked, obviously, about veterans and the the two guys heading into that fifth season. I want to talk about uh, some pieces. A, a person who did talk about veterans a couple of weeks ago, but now talking about three young wide receivers is Michael Hitchcock. A piece up on the website looking at three young wide receivers to supercharge your, and I'll say this, uh, modified zero RB builds. Uh, still, it's still working its way around the internet uh, I am I still enjoy it more than I probably should. But um, in terms of the guys that are available here, Sean will have a quick touch on them, but the guys that were in the veteran category that he mentioned, and obviously Michael Thomas has had a bit of an injury since, but uh, we had Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Mike Evans. Um, so if you're looking then to uh, get those young guys on the roster, if you have taken a running back in those opening rounds, um, some of the guys that he mentions here that are going to really help. There's no... There's a couple of these guys the listeners aren't going to be surprised by. Um, nobody should be surprised to see uh, Justin Jefferson named among those guys that are, if not already a superstar, prime to become a superstar. Um, he has a current ADP of 24th overall at the FFPC. I think everything is just, you know. <laughs> looking so so good for him heading into the season i'd say I suppose of kurt cousins situation at the moment but hopefully that'll all be okay when it comes to week one uh the next player up though sean i know it's one of your favorite guys we can go back and touch a little bit on jefferson if you want but uh i definitely want you to have the option to take the floor on on cd lamb uh 34th overall uh, in ffpc formats and he's somebody that when i'm drafting kind of between most of my drafts have been between four and eight and if you're at the trio four i think he's one of those guys you can take really confidently and you're if you're at the trio eight you're just praying that he just lasts to you he's in that tier with uh terry mclaurin as well but i think at this point lamb i think has the 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 little bit of higher upside over mclaurin i think uh, he's ready to be a superstar so the hype i've noticed since probably about two weeks ago, has really started to ramp up on Lamb. I know you've been on this uh, for for a long time with uh, C.D. Lamb, but why should we be drafting him in, in 2021?
2: Well, Lamb is, is one of those guys that we look at what he did as a young player at Oklahoma and then how he makes this transition to the NFL. I mean, he's playing with two very solid veteran-wide receivers and comes out and averages 17 points per game with Dak Prescott, right? If he has a full season with Dak Prescott, then we may be talking about him as a first round pick in 2021, not next year in 2022, where I think it's almost a lock. And we are talking about this season. And so the fact that you can get him in the third round, that's great for us. We look at this big picture a little bit. You mentioned the previous article where Michael goes into how you can get this sort of hall of fame group of receivers. I don't know that Mike Evans is quite into that category yet, but definitely Michael Thomas with the start that he had to his NFL career, really the the best ever. You look at what Julio Jones has done for uh, year after year after year in his career to be able to get those guys and Mike Evans, you're thinking, I mean, this, this can't be possible. The fact that I could draft a running back, whichever one of these running backs I like who actually makes it to whatever spot I have in the first round and then I can come back with Thomas Evans Julio Jones that seems impossible we did go back through the bounce back criteria the has in his wrong read and there were some good things and there were some question marks and we see the first question mark pop up in a, a big way right off the bat with Michael Thomas having this health it's not as easy or as clear to count on these players, you know, once they're, you know, really up in age at all, and Michael Thomas is up, then the fact that they're just going to come back and be who they were, you know, that's something that you want to be skeptical of. I'm always looking away from the players who are a little bit older, the players who are coming off of these injuries, because you have to get a big discount to really feel comfortable there. We were seeing a discount with Michael Thomas, and yet, they managed and he managed by not getting that surgery that Sean Payton now uh, has been hammering him on. And the, the situation there in New Orleans does not seem very good at this point. Everyone is not on the same page, not feeling good together. It turns out it wasn't nearly big enough of a discount. By contrast, we're looking at these young guys, ascending players. Justin Jefferson in our Stealing Bananas show where Ben and I talk about The 2022 first round, I point out that I think Justin Jefferson is going to go in that range. CeeDee Lamb, someone who could potentially go in that range. And then our third pick here, uh, T. Higgins, someone who we think could be a a second round pick. Ben and I had both Higgins and Jamar Chase in the second round of 2022. You see a similar kind of thing with Higgins, right? Averaged almost 15 points per game with Joe Burrow and... If Burrow doesn't get hurt, I think you're having Higgins drafted even higher, even with Chase in there to take some of that target volume. we like them as potentially the Buffalo Bills of this season. There's more projection here, or at least there's some projection here, Colin. But one of the things that Michael references, and again, if you haven't read it, you've got to go check it out. It's Blair Andrews in the wrong read, this time number 63. But this relationship between wide receiver age and opportunity is one of the big exploitable advantages still in fantasy football. These guys, they're expensive, and they feel like I'm taking a lot of risk, but they may not be expensive enough. Looking at the key metrics to find the next wave of superstars, rookies who finished their first season as top 36 wide receivers, they finished that rookie season with positive fantasy points over expectation, and they played their entire rookie season at the age of 21. Jefferson, Lamb, Higgins, must-own players in Dynasty, But Colin, as we try and hammer home week after week on Rotoviz overtime, if you want to win your redraft league, you need to look at it as though you're drafting a dominant dynasty squad.
1: Yeah. And I think um, these guys, it just reinforces as well, Sean, the rookie class last year, just how good those guys are. Um, And, you know, we could potentially, as you mentioned, um, see three of them and the opening. Uh, two rounds next year and then you also touched on Chase we could see him in the second round next year so we a lot of young wide receiver talent really getting pushed up into those opening uh, two to three rounds where they're kind of at the moment going um, I would say between round three and round six we'll see a lot of those guys go between round one and round three next year so make sure you're getting those young players on those rosters and I think it'll set you up in a really strong position this year as you mentioned in both scenarios there as well for the second two names in Lamb and Higgins, quarterbacks injured for quite a portion of the season last year. So I think we're getting a, a discount added in as well for that. That's going to bring us to the end of today's show. Another road of his ot podcast and the books hopefully you're enjoying the draft series that is up along with anthony amico if you are listening to this on the road of his main feed it is up on the road of his overtime individual podcast feed check that out wherever you get your podcast make sure you're subscribed get all those shows once they go live as always you can get yourself a listeners only discount of 10 percent to a road of his nfl pass you can do that now by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout or go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for more information. And as I mentioned uh, at the start of the show or on the start of uh, Tuesday's show, we are doing the listener leagues. We may not have any spots left, but if, uh, in case you're interested, send it our way. I know myself and Sean could probably get roped into another couple of leagues if, <laughs> if you're interested. So uh, send that my way at Overtime Ireland or Overtime at gmail.com and we're going to wrap it up there for today's edition my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime Ireland. my co-host is sean siegel you can check out his work up on com. until we're back with another podcast have a good one